All right. Hello. So this is our first episode with a guest today. Our guest tonight is Miss Louise Thoburn, uh, the way that uh, we know her from high school, basically. Um, so Louise, tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself. Um, so my name is Louise. Um, used to go to high school with Alec and Lewis. Um, currently living in the UK, moved here in about 2017 from the Philippines, you know, lived in the Philippines my entire life um, and moved for university because it's always been a dream of mine and a dream of my family is to, for me to get out of the Philippines and, you know, make a life for myself. Uh, studied IB in high school with Alec and Lewis and it was the worst two years of my life. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, did a drama degree for, uh, got in the University of Birmingham. There you go. That's where I first went for a drama. I hated it. I disliked the course. I disliked just everything about it. It was just, wasn't the greatest. So I dropped out in March and I did a psychology degree in 2018. And I just graduated, and now I'm in sales. <laughs> so, whoa, there you whoa, go. wait, wait, back, <laughs> up, back up. So, uh, you graduated with a psychology degree, and you're in sales now. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm in sales. Yes, business selling. Won't name where, but yeah, yeah sure. it's a no, no it's a weird career path. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't think I'd end up there, but you know, here I am doing sales. So. Hey, you know? <laughs> whatever. If it pays the bills and you think it's okay, why not? Exactly right? Exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. Awesome. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> so Ashley, that's uh, sort of what a lot of our plan was, right? Finish IB, uh, head overseas, complete a degree, and then start working. So uh, you actually, I did it. Yeah, yeah. you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I followed through. I mean, I was a bit like shaky after dropping out of uni for mm. drama. I was a bit like am I really going to go go again and do another three years? But I said, yeah, might as well, might as well finish it and, you know, set myself up for the future. Yeah, yeah, of course. So um, what I'm actually most interested about, because I didn't know about the drama degree, uh, mm-hmm. how did you, like, what was the thought process on that? Because that's actually, I've never met someone who went to university for a drama degree. Yeah honestly I don't know I think it was just like a massive like pipe dream I don't know it, like since grade six when I was in another school called MGIS mm. um I was like doing all of the dramas and I was singing loads and I was like oh this is cool I was in Cats um and I was like oh this is kind of interesting drama's cool and then I went to the UK to do like a theater two or like a month theater Mm-hmm. thing um and I was like okay yeah, I'm really interested in this and then I did more high school like school plays and then that's when I was like yeah this is what I want to do for the rest of my life it's like I'm having so much fun I started <laughs> singing lessons like I was proper into performing more into singing than like drama but you know I thought it was doing drama would be the step to performing um did two high school plays at Brent and yeah I just fell in love with it and I thought oh I can make a career out of this 
and everyone was like oh you might not make as much money you know I'm like oh I love drama no (laughs) (laughs) and so you know I didn't do drama for IB but I thought you know with my past experience with drama I'd be fine turns out I was you know I got accepted to a Russell Group University at the UK in the UK um one of the top universities I think at the time the top university for drama um yeah yeah it was like really up there in terms of like the drama degree and all that so I was like pretty stoked (laughs) I was pretty happy that's really interesting actually that (laughs) yeah but you know when I got there it wasn't what I thought like it was so much theory and I guess you know you need you need a basis you need to learn about drama to like really appreciate it but it was like all theory like tiny bit of performing and like I wasn't doing well when I got my grades back in December I was like shocked because I was like quite an A student at, you know at high school yeah I, I, got, I distinctly like, remember that to be fair <laughs> yeah, you're, the one, oh, yeah. you're one of the smartest ones that we <laughs> yeah 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 then I, I got my grades back and it was like extremely subpar like 58 percent you know and that's a 2-2 and I was like maybe I'm not like great at this because it was all like English essays mm. and I can't I can't deal with the uh, the theoretical or the um, the subjective mm. um, I like it when there are facts when there is like a right answer a right or wrong answer and with drama it wasn't it was like your opinion and how well you could write your opinion how well yeah, you can yeah. you know and I always hated that throughout high school doing English and all that and when I realized that was that's what it was it's not for me yeah remind us real quick what your uh, hls and your SLs were because I, I don't remember man it's been so long since i heard <laughs> that you know um H- hl english literature oh jesus yeah you fucking picked the wrong course yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh gosh what, i know my uh, sls is bio uh, gohl there you go gohl yeah. psych hl um SL, um, no, it was French Abinicio, Bio SL, and <laughs> Math Studies. <laughs> I think we were in the same math class. Yeah, I just remembered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. To be fair, yeah. did, like math was one of my higher like grades for my B, which I was pretty shocked. Well, to be fair, <laughs> with the exception of uh, English literature, you did have a very um, sort of fact based um, IB profile. Right. So yeah. uh, your geo yeah. psych, well, I guess, psych, I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, I like to argue that it's not a real science, but whatever. Uh- <laughs> it is a real science. I've got psychology books to prove it. Right, you know, it's yeah. science. <laughs> so speaking of psychology, because on this podcast, we did start off with more gears towards uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of steered you towards taking psychology degree when you decided to no longer pursue drama? Um, it was definitely like my love for HL, HL psych, or my love for psych um, in IB. Um, a teacher that taught it like was really good and really explained the subject well. And I was just so interested about things in people's heads. Uh, I was going through, you know, some mental health issues at the time I believe and like learning about it kind of made more sense like I could make sense of what I was feeling um and I just really found it interesting just because it was just about the like humans how humans are 
why humans are that way um and it like my love for it grew like and then after you know I went to my drama degree and when I dropped out of that I was like what other degrees can I do what other things am I interested in and the easy choice was psychology because it Mm -hmm. was I always loved it so you know easy choice (laughs) did you have a career path in mind or was it just like I like psychology so I'm just gonna go for that degree um well the thing I liked about psychology was that there are so many transferable skills that you can apply Mm. Because, you know, you learn about humans, so you learn more about how to interact or how to communicate properly with humans. Um, and so I kind of thought I'd go into HR because, um, you know, I've, I've learned about people, um, you know, I kind of know how some people tick. So I always thought, you know, HR would be the place I'd go to. Um, right. And I worked at, I worked um, in HR for my dad's business for a while. And it was something that I was quite interested in. Um, but you know my current job makes a bit more than people okay. at HR and <laughs> you know I, I can get bonuses if I work hard so I thought I'll, I'll go into this for a bit and, and see where it takes me yeah M- money sometimes talks right <laughs> yeah it, it does and you know like because my mom and dad like supported me throughout university mm. I kind of want to get a good paying job so I can start like helping them out yeah mm. yeah that's very fucking generous of you. Um, <laughs> uh, so you did mention that you're going through some mentals, and we did catch up like I think months before, and we talked yeah. more about like how, our current situations. But during high school, I think all three of us were going through some shit, yeah, and like, uh, we didn't realize. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we just didn't know that we were. And so, how has that? How's your journey from then been until now? Um, well, I was first, like I first re- like noticed symptoms when I was about 15, 16. I was going through like, I think my first relationship ever and a lot of like emotions at once that kind of messed with my head a bit. Um, so I got diagnosed when I was about 16, 15 with bipolar disorder because I'd experienced like extremely high, not, not highs, but like extreme lows. And then I like, I kind of jump back to normal. So it was more like I'd go down and then kind of just plateau at normal and then go down again. Um, But to my psychiatrist in the Philippines, it looked quite a lot like bipolar disorder. So I started taking medication since I was about 15, 16. I'm still currently on medication. Um, But yeah, that's when I started realizing, like getting symptoms and all that. Like... I'd just be really depressed especially in high school like I'd be took it out of me man it <laughs> like it, it the, genuinely the took they a piece. Gave us did not help no yeah it it took a piece of my soul like I'm not gonna lie like, after I did IB I was genuinely like emotionally spent and mentally just exhausted um if you don't mind though I mean for, um I'm really curious about 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 that statement because I hear mm-hmm. that from a lot of people and um, I'm yeah. always curious to know what exactly it was because um, um, I'll let you answer this in a second. But like for me, to be fair, the the stressful part of the last two years of high school, so junior year mm-hmm. and senior year, wasn't really the curriculum. It was all the shit that happened in my life in the peripheries, right? Yeah. So I honestly, and I I don't mean to like come off as like a prick when I say this but like I honestly didn't didn't really feel the stress of Ivy yeah so I'm always curious to know what people exactly found stressful about it 
for me it was because I, I always overachieved like as a kid mm-hmm. like in grade school and all of that so I kind of I had a reputation of being smart and I had a reputation mm-hmm. of getting really good grades and you know I kind of I had that pressure even though it was like internal pressure no one no one else in my life was telling me to achieve or do great even you know my parents were like yeah do you do your best at school um but no one pressured me to like be the best that I could be but because I just had that like record of overachieving I kind of I just had to push myself like really really hard um so I think it's more the internal pressure that that really stressed me out because you know, if I see a grade that wasn't as good, I'd, I'd freak out, you know, I'd get anxiety and mm. get really depressed because I didn't think I worked as hard. So, yeah, it was definitely more the internal pressure more than anything. Like, mm-hmm. like I could deal with the workload. Obviously, it was quite hard doing an EE and I was like doing like all nighters sometimes, you know, sleeping up two and then having to wake up at six. And so yeah. that was a like a small aspect of it. But it was mainly like my internal like mental health and internal pressure. Mm-hmm. So you, so what I hear out of that is that you essentially felt like you had a reputation to uphold for yourself. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. like, and my dad paid a lot to get me into, you know, the school, the high school we went and it, it wasn't cheap. Yeah. So I, I was like, you could say you that know, again. Exactly. We, we have, we have very various discussions, Lewis and I about how much our it was expensive i think we've never right. spoken about this on the podcast though um no that's yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so <laughs> you're absolutely right it was a lot of money i um and i i think i already told this to alec but like i'll just say it again now officially on the podcast okay um, go ahead. so after i started making my own money uh when i'd moved to germany and, and i was back in the philippines to visit for the first time i was in my dad's um office at home and i stumbled across an old like um uh, tuition bill from brand yeah. right because my dad's someone he like files all this stuff of course um and when i saw the enrollment fee which is non-refundable by the way uh mm-hmm. i kind of went excuse me what the fuck <laughs> that was yeah. an absurd amount of money just to like go through the process of enrolling someone for the next school year and honestly I don't want to say that our education was bad because I think we actually had a really good education that was very Mm well-rounded, but I'm just not sure if it was worth like a small family, a small family (laughs) car for a whole school year. Like, I'm not sure that was worth it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it was, it wasn't nice. Like, and obviously know that your parents are paying that for you and, you know, like I I couldn't let them down because we we were paying like in, in my old school, you know, it was, it was, wasn't cheap yeah it wasn't that expensive yeah it wasn't cheap but it was cheaper (laughs) exactly and you know it was affordable and then like I I had to leave that school it was just it was crumbling like it it would I couldn't learn properly there it was just turning into the worst school ever so I had to leave and you know Brent was better option like british yeah. school manila was just way too expensive and that's saying something because yeah. Brent is so expensive. to be fair <laughs> i have no idea how the people who went to the british school manila and to ism how the fuck oh did God, those yeah. parents pay for that because those are two schools that are even more expensive than the schools that we went to yeah i know like... but going on that do you think because and either one of you can answer this um do you think being put and being aware of the privilege that we had 
going to that caliber of a school do you think that added as towards like your putting at least putting pressure on yourself in that sense especially like yes for you Luis it must have been harder for you because you did have that reputation of being good grades and then doing extracurriculars as well yeah luckily I mean Lewis was relatively had that reputation of like being relatively smart not like a student but like he no one was looking at Lewis and thinking oh he's a dumbass You sure? But, yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was that's the case. debatable, <laughs> you know, depending on who you ask. But yeah, depending on who you ask and depending what you ask them about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and whereas for me, I kept very much to myself. A big part of it is because I was going through my own stuff, and also I lived literally in the mountains. And um, pretty much, uh, if you ask anyone, if we went to back to that time people will probably think uh we don't really know about Alex so but still being aware of you know that amount of privilege that we our households afforded us because I found that added more pressure that I put on myself because I think a mutual friend of ours that um, I remember one day we were in PE and we were working out how much money it would cost for just missing one day yeah yeah fuck i remember this dude that was an absurd like back then it didn't mean anything to me but nowadays when i think about that no, I'm like, it does. What? when you're making your own money now <laughs> yeah. it makes sense like, ooh. yeah so how yeah. do you feel about that do you think that contributes yeah definitely like kind of when i was in my old school because you know it wasn't that didn't have a reputation of being a great school uh, i kind of could just be average even though I wasn't but I never had that pressure but then like going into Brent like seeing how many smart people there are and you know knowing that I I'm in such a position that I could receive a, an amazing education do my IB and you know be able to go to university in the UK like it put massive pressure on me because that was like my future you know yeah. I, I had to do well or I couldn't go to the UK and, and the I, I didn't want to stay yeah, and the combination of all that plus not actually knowing fully what mental health was and what was going on in your own head. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, like going from about 16, 17, I was getting like therapy. So I, I was like kind of understanding, you know, what I'm what I was going through in my own head and, you know, taking medication, like I said. So I had like a relative understanding of it. Um, but it like I didn't think it would get as bad as it did, right. um, which it did. You know, when I went to the UK, so you know that's fun. <laughs> to be fair, though, that's this is something that I've observed at least because I I haven't really spoken to many people with whom we 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 went to school with, but um, I've sort of observed through Facebook and like Instagram, and I know that's not really the real world and stuff. But I've I've seen that some people they tend to like sort of crash and burn as soon as as soon as they left the country and moved abroad a lot of people just like fucking lost control over their lives yeah and um yeah (laughs) i honestly have no idea what that is but to me at least personally and again it's just a super uneducated uninformed opinion i think that like um the, the 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 underlying issue is that a lot of us for some reason or whatever do have problems and that's another thing that i don't like 
that I don't understand until today, because like all of us grew up with like everything that we actually wanted, right? Um, but for some reason, a lot of us have pretty serious um, concerns regarding our mental health, which is something that like doesn't it shouldn't add up. Yeah, no, I completely get I get what you mean. Like, you know, I grew up in such a privileged household. I had amazing parents. You know, my parents never abused me. They were the best yeah. loving parents I could have. You know, I, I had everything as a kid. I had everything as a teenager and I still ended up where I am. Yeah. So, you know, I think there is a bit of um, like predisposition that probably plays into it, like some genetic thing. Um, and obviously, like we learned in psych, you know, probably genetics played, a, played an aspect. Mm. Um, even though our environments were amazing, we could just be genuinely predisposed to getting fucked in the head. But, is that, is that really a thing though? Because like, I have really no- be genetically yeah. just predis- predisposed to just end I mean, up. it's genetics is still quite relatively, you know, it's still being explored. But I definitely think, you know, seeing the studies that I've seen, there are some, there, there's something, you know, that genetics, I think, ca- plays a small part, you know, yeah. into your predisposition into mental health. And obviously the environmental factors can exacerbate that. But in my case, you know, technically my environmental, the environmental factors in my life were great, except for obviously a few things, but yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> nothing is ever perfect, right? Um, no, exactly. Yeah. I don't know, because I, I once heard this quote, it was on another podcast from, mm-hmm. uh, from a psychologist, and they essentially argued that we've been told for the longest time that, um, for example, something like depression is essentially where the chemistry of your brain is off. And mm-hmm. this person argued that it's not that, it's essentially that sometimes your brain is wired incorrectly. In the sense yeah. that there's not a there's not a temporary issue that can be fixed. There is an issue in the hardware, so to say. I mean, I guess that 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 makes sense in the psychology like perspective. Um, like uh, you've you've heard about like uh, brain plasticity. Yeah. So obviously the, the brain can learn new pathways. So part of me is a bit like, well, I don't know the science behind it too much, but I think if the brain, you know, doesn't have a connection to do one thing, the brain will figure out other ways of getting there in the end. Yeah. Um, I do think it is genuinely a chemical imbalance, um, mm-hmm. but that's from my own experience because, you know, I, I'm taking medication, I'm taking SSRIs, um, mm-hmm. serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors for, you know, the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, it, and I've noticed, you know, my mental health has really sta- has been stable for about mm-hmm. a year now, ever since I've been taking it regularly. It's, you know, it's not amazing. Some days I still have my bad days, but not nearly as much as I used to. Um, That's impressive. I, and yeah. like I did notice when I stopped taking it um I went into like the deepest depression I have in a while that's something I've heard a lot though is that once you're on it you kind of have to stay on it because when you get off of it it's yeah. sort of like like falling even deeper yeah. <laughs> it develops into like a necessary crutch and now yeah. if you don't get in time or like somehow you just don't have it when you need it that becomes a trigger point yeah. oh yeah oh yeah I've had I've dealt with that um here like recently actually because my um my psychiatrist place 
hospital, whatever, a mental health facility. They were terrible at getting my prescriptions on time. And I'd call like 10 days in advance and they still wouldn't have it after 10 days. And I was out of medication by then and I'd be freaking out and I'd, I'd mm. go into like full on panic mode. So obviously like a part of me is scared to get off it. Um, and it sucks because now I know I'm like reliant on the medication, but yeah. I'd kind of rather be reliant on medication and be stable than not stable. Yeah, to be so, fair. Yeah, I mean, talking with, yeah. talking with Lewis about all this mental health stuff, um, I think both of us have taken another route in terms of uh, yeah. therapy in that sense of yeah. self-help like we would do different sort of various tasks or different activities weekly or daily in order to help us cope and process things yeah uh, so I wanted to get your sort of story or input into the more I quote-unquote traditional route of you know seeing yeah. a therapist being on medication like how has that helped you or how's that affected you taking that sort of route um well like when, when I started going through medication I was at a point where you know if I didn't get any sort of help I, I don't think I'd be here you know um, I was pretty pretty depressed like mm -hmm. um I, I didn't know what was going on and I just have full-blown panic attacks like all the time um so I needed to go for medication I wasn't in the right mental state to even try helping myself like I don't know it was so weird when I was like 15 16 I was just reliant on others I was just you know reliant on the the boy I was dating and you know I was like I couldn't rely on myself I couldn't trust myself to like help help me I needed other people to help me so um so yeah I started medication and I went to a therapist who actually was really great um and she kind of helped me understand a few things about myself. Uh, but I don't know, I kind of, I prefer the method that I went on because it's kind of set me up to give myself help, you know, to go through the self-help route. It's kind of stabilized me enough to oh, actually, no. you know, deal with it. Yeah, guys, continue. I have to fix something technical <laughs> in the background. No worries. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. I thought, I thought we just didn't record anything so <laughs> no, no 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 we're fine don't worry but yeah I've always been curious how like the medication side of things affected mm. people um it I didn't get like the side effects that a lot of people got um like a lot of people um you know talk about the side effects they get and how they feel and some people feel really depressed some people get so many different side effects from it um, I never really got those when I was about 15, 16, when I started taking medication. Um, so when I actually started getting side effects was mainly like last year. Um, I was just, I just suffer with extreme low libido. That's like my main side effect. Right. Um, but apart from that, like I, I really didn't have any of the traditional side effects that everyone else does. It's just the low libido really and that's because I'm taking it regularly and I'm taking it every day I used to miss days when I was younger um so yeah it does affect me a little bit obviously because I'm in a relationship and it kind of sucks not being able to you know do all of that but I just I genuinely can't like I don't know why <laughs> I mean I do know why but you know I can't stop it I'd rather be mentally stable than right but how you know. does that sort of help you 
the medication how does that sort of help you be stable in that sense though I don't know if it's a placebo effect I don't know like I genuinely I can't tell anymore because I've been on it for so long um but I just feel like stable within myself I feel you think it's like something it does to you like your hormones or something or no it's definitely serotonin like it's, it's just you know the available serotonin in my brain um which definitely does help um I, I did notice you know when I when, like I said when I came off it one time like I just went to like such a deep depression and that's probably withdrawal as well but you know after I started taking it regularly again I just felt like a new person like I just felt better um I felt like I could tr- control my thoughts a lot more and I was less panicky less anxious okay because um, I've always been very wary of like pills and that kind of yeah method in a sense not because I'm, I'm like a conspiracy theorist or anything <laughs> I just if and we have talked about it this uh before um if um I can do something myself I would want mm-hmm. to yeah yeah I mean part of me does you know wish I, I, I went just tradition like either just therapy or you know did my own self-help a part of me does wish that and I, I do want to get there eventually um so you, wanna, just, so you do want to transition into more or just yeah I don't want to be on medication my entire life that's mm-hmm. always been my goal I always want to get out of it because you know it is it's kind of crippling sometimes to think about not having medication not having that safety net um so like I was weaned off one of my um mood stabilizers I was taking mood stabilizers as well as uh, antidepressants um and I was just weaned off that recently and hasn't made made much difference um to me so it's obviously a positive step in the right direction because then I know you know one day I'll be off antidepressants forever Mm -hmm. and I could just deal with it myself but I think it's it's mainly just making sure I have the right coping mechanisms um, in place before any of that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's just finding your right coping mechanisms. Like for me, it's a lot of like yoga and meditation, whereas yeah. meditation for Lewis doesn't work at all. Nope. But except for him, it would be like riding his motorcycle or having that hour or half hour, just being able to do that. Isn't that right? Yeah. So in a like when I hear stories like yours, I always think like this is a brilliant example of how 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 well something like that can work. Mm-hmm. Um, let's forget for a moment the fact that uh, for now at least you are dependent on medication. But to be fair, there are enough young people in our age who are dependent on medication for other reasons, right? Uh, Very true. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think it's actually too abnormal to have to take medication. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I can say for myself and. I don't know why I have this, but I have a, I have this severe apprehension of uh, towards seeking professionals uh, psychiatric help. Um, I, I've tried it once in my life. I went to like three sessions or something, and then I realized like actually this isn't really fucking for me because like I don't like. It's not that I don't like talking about what I feel. It's just that like I feel like the person who is sitting across from me doesn't know me and so they're not really qualified to tell me what's up right even though that's such a that's that's such a misinformed way of thinking right um because they're professionals and they do this for a living and they're trained to do this so i understand that they're actually good at doing it right um but that's only like half the thing for me What, what i'm most afraid of is what you just described is the um the uh the dependency on 
on medication that can come afterwards because i've heard some people who have said like i'm not better because i have my medication but i know if i get off of them i'm going to be even worse afterwards and so that's something that scares the living crap out of me because my head's not a nice place to be in most of the time. But uh, uh, if I were to take something and I and it didn't work the way that I th- that I wanted it to, and I then had the knowledge of it, but if I get off of it now, it's gonna be even fucking worse than when I started. Oh, dude, I don't know if I, could, I don't know if I could deal with that. <laughs> uh, I I completely get that, like obviously it was a bit apprehensive taking medication but I felt like it was like my last cry for help really my last yeah. chance to kind of get back on track um with my life and like I did private therapy well in the UK basically after a crisis I suffered um I had to do like therapy sessions like mm. mandated therapy sessions but it was like the free therapy session so like it's from this company called forward thinking Birmingham Mm-hmm. and because it was free it just felt so like not personal yeah. it felt like they were just giving me pieces of paper and they were like go do some homework think about this and I'm just like this isn't helping me like I know think- it's CBT <laughs> but like I'm not gonna go home and write about my feelings on a piece of paper like especially that's I mean I'm I- I have no training in this field whatsoever but like I would think that if someone comes in and says to you like the way that I think isn't good for me and you hand them a piece of paper and you tell them go and think about why that is that's not really fucking up (laughs) it's actually the worst like it was genuinely the worst thing I went through like because you know I needed help at that point in my life and it was here Mm. in the UK like I needed it Um, and I thought you know oh wow finally I'm getting free therapy it was so shit Oh, God, like, it did imagine. not help me at all. So the, Yeah, because the NHS is good with a lot of things. Not when it does health. come to things like that, it is very, very shit. Because yeah. that is basically the equivalent of, like, what is wrong with me? And the other person saying, I don't know, you tell me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what it was. And I, I hated it. Um, so I, I sought, pr- like, private therapy instantly. Um, yeah. And to be fair, I found a really good therapist, and she was great. Um obviously the first session was a bit strange like ooh, I'm talking to a random stranger about yeah. my feelings and you know it's my mental thoughts yeah it, it was weird but you know I, I was just talking and I, she just gave me a chance to talk um and I just spent like an hour talking about my feelings and she'd go okay so this is probably what you're feeling it kind of she kind of labeled things not labeled it but like she made sense of things made me make sense of things and I kind yeah. of got to understand myself so much better um because she actually took the time to like talk me talk with me about mm. everything I was feeling and we did some mindfulness sessions as well which was nice um but yeah she was she was a great therapist and she kind of set me up for for a while actually I haven't seen her in about two years but even just half a half a year of sessions with her like it was great the thing is it just cost too much i'd, yeah. I'd go to therapy now if i can afford it but it's like 45 pounds an hour and oh, you know. yeah, yeah private therapy is something i've always actually wanted to do same as like going to a chiropractor because my body's it's amazing yes yeah, but- yeah oh my god a chiropractor would be so good right now i know like, <laughs> my i've been drinking the past two days i need something like that yeah um <laughs> no my back's just fucked but whatever that's a different Same. story <laughs> um uh, apart from all of the analyzing 
that you get from a private therapist. Mm -hmm. uh, did the fact that she was sort of a stranger in a sense, like she didn't know you personally, did that help you open up? Um, I think it was a bit, actually kind of, yeah, because, you know, she couldn't judge me and she was right. just there just listening. And it was just actually nice to have someone listen and actually care because it really seemed like she cared about, you know, how I was and how I was going to do. And, you know, it was just nice to have that and not not a friend because I don't want to burden friends. That's not what friends are for. They're not there to listen about your depression and your anxiety. But it was mm -hmm. just someone I had no idea about. I didn't know who she was, but she was there and she cared. And that was a great feeling for me. Because some people could be put off by the by the yeah. fact that it is someone they don't know, as you said, yeah. Lewis. Um, yeah. But I think what, what Louise actually just described is something that usually helps it's that once once you describe what you're feeling and someone gives a name to it and then you prescribe that name so like oh okay suddenly like suddenly it's not just this thing that exists it's mm -hmm. actually it's, it's tangible although it's not tangible but because you've given a name to it you can now sort of categorize it i think that helps yeah because yeah, um, when we were going definitely. through the stuff during high school we were all just blindly thinking different things when yeah. in reality it was you know anxiety and this is why or it was depression and this is why yeah and so i think whether or not you go through private therapy or you figure it out yourself getting a clear picture of things does help and oh yeah not all the not to help you all the way but get started on the path of recovery yeah because it helps you identify it as well you yeah know? You, you feel something and they say, oh, that's actually this. And you go, oh, okay. And then you can recognize it the next time it's about to happen or the next time it's happening. And you can just go, okay, this is just my depression. I just need to sit down, lie down, you know, cuddle up with some blankets and not get out of bed <laughs> the next day. You know, <laughs> you could like kind of prepare yourself about what you're going to feel. And it yeah. kind of helps you just, it sets you up to get out of that quicker because if you don't know what it is you freak out you get anxious exactly. about it you're like yeah. oh my god what am i feeling i'm, I'm gonna have a panic attack i, I shouldn't yep. feel like this is not normal um but yeah definitely prescribing a name to something it, yeah. it helped me a lot and i think preparation as you said is key because uh it's going to be different for everyone for example what you just what you just described would probably set me into a fucking spiral that i would never come out of again <laughs> so <laughs> for me the approach would be totally different i would have to somehow fill my day with something because yeah. you mind off it yeah exactly um, yeah no I, I wallowed i i wallowed wallowed a lot like i would just yeah. sit in sadness and you know listen to some sad music and it just worked for me yeah. obviously <laughs> it didn't help me get out of it any quicker but it kind of just you know there are times where i just went i, I just need to be sad today yeah. and, and sometimes feeling it like like just like feeling the emotions gets yeah. kind of gets them out of your head you know after yeah. a while yeah yeah Instead sometimes you do need to feel it so that you yeah. go through it and now you're like okay i felt that way now i can you know move, move on, on exactly. to the next yeah. phase or something sometimes i like to picture it as this like 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 this gas tank of whatever feeling it is and then while you're you feeling it, empty it you you like use it and then exactly you have to empty yeah. it and then once it's done it's done right exactly yeah. but rather than let letting it stew for like a whole day exactly i yeah. kind of just get it over in one and yeah. then you know bounce yeah. back maybe a day later a day or two later so yeah it, it did help do you yeah. find yourself trying your best to not not have it affect other people because i always find that when i need to feel a certain way for a good period of time or i'm having like a panic attack or something mm -hmm. i always subconsciously try to not 
contact people around me or something like that just because to me it's like it's not their problem yeah um when I when I was younger I, I didn't go about it like that I, I was really immature with like the way I dealt with my things like with my mental health issues so I'd kind of drag people into it which sucks like thinking about it now but you know I did drag people into it because I wanted someone else to wallow with me I wanted someone else to feel what I felt um and normally it was you know the person I was dating and so that put a lot of pressure on them but I thought you know if you love me you'd you'd help me out you'd you know you'd feel what I was feeling and you know you'd be there for me no matter what um so I, I always had that really twisted like mental like state that I I need I need my boyfriend to comfort me I need mm. my boyfriend to be there for me and he needs to <clears throat> help me through this and take me through this pain um and that really sucked that really like put a strain on pretty much all of my relationships until now because I've kind of got a handle on it um and when I'm sad now you know I don't really I'll, I'll let my boyfriend know and I'll be like look I'm feeling really sad today but I don't ask him to help me, you know, help myself, but to be fair though, it's not too much to ask to be comforted to a certain level. Right. I mean, exactly. To a certain point you're there to help, but beyond that, there's just nothing you can do. Exactly. But I was at that point where I thought they could help me, you know, Mm. they, they could fix me. Um, You know, I needed someone to fix me and obviously I, I fixed myself, but from like 16 to 20 that was pretty much my mindset and it was just so toxic and you know only now am I really thinking about you know what I did in the past but it's the past so it's whatever but you know I I did I pretty sure I treated a lot of my boyfriends badly because I just dragged them into my mental health issues yeah to be fair though the social environment in our school wasn't the best yeah well you can say that again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah to be fair, I contributed massively to that, so <laughs> I, I'm not going to try and paint myself as someone who was just purely a victim of that, so uh, <laughs> no, fuck no. Well, like, it mainly happened, like, with my first, like, ever boyfriend, and, like, he was a lot older than me, and I kind of just depended on him so badly. It was just sad. Um, I didn't really do that with my boyfriend and Brent. <laughs> we all know we all know that um that that part of life let's not Lewis needs to take a minute to think <laughs> let's 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 skip ahead uh, wait who was uh, this who was this again let's skip we're, ahead to the... well, we're not going to mention the name but we will tell you later if you're really curious yeah that. yeah wait i need to write that down <laughs> <laughs> uh, before um, you exit this call Luis, we need to sort this shit out <laughs> wait who was this again fuck I don't I don't know I don't know who this was uh, <laughs> a blip in my life I don't want to um and then yeah when I went to the UK I, I had my first like um age-appropriate relationship I'd say mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like I said first boyfriend was a, a lot older we're not going to talk about the second and then wait he was third. younger right he was younger right <laughs> okay i think i got him yeah yeah. <laughs> he remembers 
it's that the second one uh, sorry the um the one in the uk that was like my real first serious like proper relationship age appropriate um yeah and i oh i, I feel bad like i I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like as much as there were good times I, I ruined that relationship my mental health ruined that relationship um which does, which does suck to a point but i'm in such a good place in my life now that i can't regret what i did but mm. you know I, I i take a lot of blame he might not know it but i do take a lot of blame for that relationship like failing in the end because like i was just so dependent and all of my like depressive anxious feelings i'd like just bleh, put it onto him and uh, don't sweat i've it. done that three times yeah. <laughs> so yeah it wasn't fun um and i i went to like a really dark like i went to hospital and had a attempted shit you know that that word attempted yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. um and yeah it, it, it wasn't the best time in my life and you know I, I forced this guy to try and fix me and man it took a toll on his mental health and I'm pretty sure I, I made him depressed for a while um so yeah I as much as I'd like to say I didn't put it on anyone I, I put it on lots mm. of people which kind of sucks but I think that's sort of a primal need of like I need someone to throw me a line i was about to say i I think that's as much as i want because as much as i want to be able to be strong on my own there are a select few people in my life today that i kind of do rely on them just quick calling or just messaging like hey look i'm having a really shit day Mm. and it's not that i want i want to download all my insecurities and all my mental health issues onto them it's just I think I've gone to a good point of balancing it in yeah. terms of like not having that attitude of yeah you need to fix me but more of just like hey I just kind of need you to be my to company ear. for like yeah. an hour or so and that that's that's healthy that's like that's fine because you know you're not yeah. asking that person to do anything for you you're just saying look I'm having a really tough that day can you just listen to what I've got to say and then yeah. hug, hug me later you know, and that that's fine. Yeah. Um, what I did wasn't that. It was, I, I think feel we've bad. all been where you were, though. Man, like, yeah, I was about to say, I think, Louise, that's such a human thing to do. Like yeah. I said, like, I've, I, I, I could fucking hold a two-hour-long podcast on the bullshit that I did, that which is similar <laughs> to that. Um, so I think, like, like, I understand you in the sense that, like, it's really hard to live with yourself after, after that because you feel really bad. But on yeah. the, the other side, I don't I don't know why I'm telling you this because you're the qualified person here <laughs> but um don't be too hard on yourself that that shit just happens like it's not nice I'm not trying to trying to justify or like uh make it sound okay but yeah it, that it shit happens. happens yeah exactly you know I was immature it was the past yeah um, I mean you, you know, didn't know how happens. to process it at the time we, exactly we, we all didn't know how to yeah and then it was like I said that primal nature of like, hey, I need a lifeline for someone to like pull me in because yep. holy shit, this is scary. It's it's that fear, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Of and just spiraling. Like to be fair, I needed to go through that to you know learn that that's not the move, that's not the way to go about things, and you know I wouldn't change any of my experiences. I I, I wouldn't. I, I'd go through it all over again, even yeah. that if it ex- mm-hmm. if it means experiencing all of the pain that I've actually experienced. Um, because you know it's taught me and it's made yeah. made me be where I am today um you know I'm in great relationship stable mental health good house good family 
good friends you know i wouldn't change it for the world so it is what it is but yeah, you live and learn a, that's very mature insight which you actually <laughs> to sort of take this into a more positive note i think that is one of the very few nice things that comes with dealing with stuff like this it's that once yeah. you get to a point where it really is better and uh what I mean by that is not that you suddenly all of a sudden feel better. It's just that mm -hmm. like the things around you are better and you gain that insight and you're able to see that it sort of almost yeah. makes everything worth it. Cause some days oh, yeah. I think like, it's not fucking worth it. This bullshit. Right. But then there are other days where I'm like, Ashley, yeah, I, I would do it again. What I no, Ashley, I wouldn't really do all of it again. But... <laughs> <laughs> all of it. Maybe some of it. Yeah, yeah. Most of but it. But it's also but it's also like that saying, right? Like counting your blessings, because now yeah. you know, you go through that shithole or that hell, you crawl yourself out of it. Yeah. And you do have an appreciation for the things that you might have just disregarded before, like as simple as having a bed to sleep on or having a family around, even if you're not talking to them, because like I'm living with my dad at the moment just because mm -hmm. of all this COVID stuff and we don't talk a lot a lot but I do find security in a sense to know that you know he's there yeah mm -hmm. yeah definitely like I I took my parents for granted you know when kind of when I was in relationships and all that because of my mental state and all that um so it's nice to kind of come out of it and you know see not take my parents for granted anymore and just you know be so grateful for what they've done to me done for me uh done with me and they've just been through so much with me and i, I there's like a point where i just didn't talk to them at all not as much as i am now mm. you know so it, it, going through what i did makes me appreciate everything i have now oh so, yeah that's insight yeah yeah I mean, that's some yeah. damn insight <laughs> it, it, it it did help kind of going through everything i did so i uh, part of me is kind of grateful even though i at the time obviously i wasn't i was in like extreme pain but yeah. kind of i'm in the best place it's just great it's actually like it makes me appreciate everything so much i'm really glad to hear that to be honest yeah yeah, yeah i'm always really in, yeah and i think in general you know mental health like when we were going through in high school, there wasn't, there was that, that taboo of like, oh, if you have mental yeah, health yeah. issues, then there's something clinically wrong with you. But I think it's getting a lot better now in the sense that everyone is actually having mental health issues. And Which isn't a health... good fucking sign, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, not at all. Well, don't get me started because I will start to blame the government of the world, but uh, <laughs> let's not go there. I blame social media. But, yeah, yeah, I was social actually media about... <laughs> is also a big cause of it. Dude, I was about to get into that. Yeah, so right, I think I think for me, some of the biggest, oh, actually, no, the biggest source of uh, some of these anxious feelings that I get, especially. So this is going to take a while, but just fucking bear with me. Um, I'm the kind of person where, for example, if I know that there's something that needs fixing, it needs to be fixed right now. Like, I, I want to fix it right now. I don't like waiting on it. I don't like having to, like, sort of take the small steps of fixing it. I want it done right now. And I think... Oh, yeah. I'm the same. Yeah. And that, honestly, that drives me up the fucking wall sometimes. Like, and it, it's not just, like, things that, that need fixing. It's, like, relationships or situations. And it, this drives my girlfriend up the wall because when I don't like something... It needs to be talked about right now and it needs to come we need to come up with a solution right now and um 
I almost sometimes blame that on the fact that like, if you need to look up something, for example, nowadays, you pull out your phone and you look it up. If you need to contact someone, you pull out your phone and you contact them, right? Mm -hmm. So every, everything is instant access, except for the things that actually matter. And, yeah. though, and those things take time. And so for me personally, I'm not used to that anymore. I'm not used to having to wait for something to get, to get done. And so when I have to do it, it drives me fucking insane. And like, yeah. it, it, it's so absurd because sometimes I catch myself like losing sleep over an object that's, it's not going anywhere, right? <laughs> and like, I, I could fix it in half a year and it would still be the fucking, it would make no difference, but it drives me up the wall. Like, no, I'm the, I'm the same. And like an example of this for me would be if like, for example, right? So if, Lewis, if you text me like, hey, are you free? Um, I need to talk to you. Can we call like in an hour? I'll be like, yeah. But in my head, I'm thinking, fuck you. Why can't you just talk to me now? Right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is. Well, done yeah. now. Yeah. There's because nothing not, worse. Because now that. there's yeah. that sense of like, oh, fuck. What is something wrong? Like, yeah. <laughs> I hate this so much. This is the one thing I hate the most about being in a relationship. When the when the phrase like we need to talk comes and like, OK, let's talk. You're like, no, let's do it when we get home or like, uh, no, we'll do like, like, I'll call you in an hour. I'm like, fuck, why? Just tell me right now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, breaking, like, breaking news or bringing up a topic to other people, for me, I find it best to just, you know, relatively be fast, but take your time. But if someone's telling me, I need them to, like, just rip the bandaid off. Like, don't come to yeah, me same. being like, hey, can we talk? Yeah, uh, just that. Do something. And I'm just like, uh, no, just get to the fucking point. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, is yeah. it? So I know whether or not how much I need to freak yeah. out right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can relate so to that. Fucking. Ah. Me. I don't think I go through that the same way as you you're so lucky. I'm fine with things taking the time. But yeah. It's all right. It's all right. You know, to be fair, I've never had to have that. Can we talk now? Or can we talk? Oh, I'll just do it later. I, can we talk in two weeks? T tell me if <laughs> to be fair if someone says can we talk i'd be like no you're, you're telling me now because yeah. if it's something like that sounds a bit serious i want it now yeah you know so i do get that i, I do get that but not all the time <laughs> like i said i think for me the main source of that is just that, like everything else in the world is instant access right you can yeah. you, you can get information in, in in a matter of seconds right um there's no the, deferred gratification anymore yeah just yeah. instant access yeah. yeah and i've noticed that now with my with my project car like there are certain things that need doing <laughs> that i don't that i don't have the money for yet right so it's so i'm looking at a time frame of like four months and i'm like but actually it kind of needs to be done like by this weekend but i can't do it by this weekend. <laughs> yeah that thing uh, i thought switching. it would get better once it got registered it's not, <laughs> it's not fully done that's why yeah um quickly i just wanted to switch gears because you are not only our first guest but you are a female guest and we have talked a lot about uh different issues or topics concerning those things and i guess i kind of just wanted to start the conversation of dating in our generation especially mm. taking into account modern practices also COVID as well like mm -hmm. what what are your views on that obviously you are in a relationship now mm -hmm. but in terms of just general interaction between people 
What do you yeah. think is going on? It would on be there? really good to see this from a woman's perspective because but could you elaborate Lewis is going to be on a rat soon. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what do you mean about by interaction? Um, I guess in terms of, you know, compared to before where the traditional thing was like you approach a woman and then yeah. it's like, hey, can you go on a date? And then you do that whole um, quote unquote chasing yeah courting and then like yeah courting yeah and then now you have you know tinder. people who are like tinder yeah. <laughs> tinder grinder yes, you is. know well, well um my last two relationships were found through tinder uh, the oh, one i'm okay. currently in is uh, i've met him through tinder um that's not always a bad sign i know some people who have been together for years because of tinder so exactly yeah. um I, I kind of I, I kind of like that aspect that, you know, you don't know them at all. Um, they're not part of your life at all. They're not part of your social group. They mm -hmm. don't know you mm -hmm. one bit and they will just learn you from the start because at least they don't have any preconceptions of you. You know, True. they'll meet you and that's it. That's they, they'll make their opinion of you. But like if I dated a friend or like we courted, you know, there'd be that they kind of know me and they, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I like that about Tinder where it was just like you meet someone new and it kind of also broadens your like your social group, you know, because now I, I know so many different people I wouldn't have known if I didn't meet them, you know. Um, but yeah, in terms of dating, I don't know. Obviously, I wouldn't mind being courted like um, like we dated for quite a bit before we like properly got together. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm not all for like like chivalry and you know things being traditional and blah blah like obviously I think men should be gentlemen but they shouldn't like go out of their way to help women you know we're not helpless creatures you know we can do okay. things ourselves um so I, I'm not really I don't know I'm not I'm not very I'm not a traditionalist obviously a part of me is still like you know get that marriage kids that that's traditional with me you know okay. I have that I have that in my mind you know that that's my, one of my goals in the future is to become a mum. Um, you know, I, I'm fully ready to be a housewife, not a housewife, but ready to be a mother and a wife and what is expected of me like that. Um, but in terms of dating, I'm not really one to take a traditional approach. I think, though, that's actually a really healthy compromise between uh, traditional values and modern values. Because uh, mm -hmm. so you just said, I'm going to go on a rant here and I. I Oh, small <laughs> small one small one go. Go ahead, um, go so i think and i would really love to hear your your opinion on this but sure. i think one of the biggest problems in the in the modern day and i'm i'm obviously just going to point the finger in one direction but um i think that the issue is that a lot of women want very traditional men in the sense that they want certain uh, um, um responsibilities for that the man has to live up to and that they themselves are not willing to live up to any sort of traditional roles that uh, the man may expect of the woman, right? So yeah. uh, what, what I often see is, for example, uh, this, is, this is just my experience, having lived in the city here for a couple of years, so a lot of women here will say like, oh, a man for me needs to earn this and this much, or needs to have have a job needs to do this needs to do that has to be able to provide me this and then when you ask them well, like well what are you willing to give your man and then usually they will say something along along the lines of well i'm a smart motivated hard-working young woman i'm like well first of all if 
like look at the man that you just described he's someone who's already established in life he doesn't need you to come into his life and provide more to what he already mm -hmm. has right he's looking for something else so there's there's a there's a chronic mismatch of of expectations yeah um and so i agree to a certain sense to with to a certain degree to what you said where in in the world of dating it's okay to be sort of more modern where you just sort of look if it works out or not but once you do decide to go down the path of having a serious committed relationship which is probably going to end up in marriage and mm -hmm. possibly children that certain roles have to be delegated i'm not and i'm not saying that it always has to be the woman who stays home i don't care right but like there have to be certain roles that have to be filled mm -hmm. yeah and so i would love to hear your take on that because uh I, I found that it's a very controversial opinion that I like whenever I say this to women in my city. <laughs> um, well, see, I don't think, you know, a, a man should have a designated role or a woman should have a designated role to be like, I, not them saying it like a woman shouldn't be a wife or a woman shouldn't be a mother, but like, you know, I wouldn't expect my boyfriend to be providing for me. I find it uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um you know if he's paying for everything um you know i'd like there to be a balance i'm never going to expect anything of him and i don't mm -hmm. expect him to expect anything of me i think we're just you know we want to be treated as equals in our relationship you know like i'll cook one day he'll clean he'll cook i'll clean it's always mm -hmm. equal with us um and that's probably always the way it's going to be um i'm not i'm not going to be naive and say like oh when I become a mother he'll take the exact same responsibilities no you know i i do know that i will take more responsibilities than he, he will you know i have to breastfeed yeah. you know even though if i do pump you know you'll still be breastfeeding you have mm. to feed them every two hours i i know it's expected i don't know but i know there will be things that are expected of me that he can't like do and that's mm -hmm. fine you know as long as he's there for me in other ways and other aspects that's fine um so i think as long as it's a give and take and as long as it's an equal yeah. partnership equal relationship that that that's all that matters to me oh that's you know, that's yeah that's really refreshing to hear that <clears throat> there's a yeah. young woman who's more of a team player right oh yeah that's like uh, uh, level-headed uh, i hate it when women are like oh i need him to provide for me i need him to yeah. do this for me and i'm like no you you do your your partnership. You're there to like yeah. support each other. Be there to be to fair. Each other. To be fair, though, if if a woman has certain expectations and says, "I expect mm. you to to provide these things," I don't have a problem with that as long as the man can then say, "Well, then I expect these things of you," and then both oh, people yeah. live up to their expectations. If that's mm -hmm. the case, I'm not saying anything, right? Yeah. And uh, what you just described is extremely refreshing to hear because it's it's that team player aspect where you're like okay this is we have common goals and we have to work mm -hmm. together towards those goals not two people with with one common goal who work towards it independently yeah oh yeah definitely like if you're building a life together you know you got to put in 50 50 it can't yeah it can't be you know one-sided um regardless never... of of like how you choose to to like cut up the 50 50 right like yeah. what that entails it, that, that's that's up to the two people who are in the relationship exactly. right no, no matter the gender as long as you're both doing yeah. enough for each other and you're both supporting each other shouldn't be an issue and like you said if if a man if a woman expects something of a man I, there should be no re, no problem of him expecting something of her mm -hmm. um i think it's just fair it's not fair if someone expects 
so much of one person and can't like the other person can't ask for it back that's that's not right that's not healthy mm-hmm. that's pretty toxic you know so yeah it's just my opinion so what do you guys think of these ignorant people who want these top shelf you know level partners <laughs> but have nothing near that level that they can bring to the table i've already spoken about this so if I can go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> like if if the guy or if the woman is like top tier you know providing and all of that mm. the the other person should you know pick up the slack and do everything else you know if the guy's providing and he if he's paying all the bills um i do believe you know the woman should do all the housework it's just fair if it was the roles yeah. reversed if the woman was making all the money and she was you know ceo yeah the husband should do all the work mm. you know it's, it's just just have to help each other out um and I, I i do hate it when like people are just like oh give me this give me that yeah yeah you know you see it so much in the philippines you know with the white oh yeah, the, yeah. oh my the young God. Fucking uh, Christ, yeah. it's massive over there and it, it's so normal there and it's to be weird. fair over there has it has an an additional uh aspect to it it's sort of an escape from poverty and in most mm-hmm. in most cases yeah. right mm-hmm. so it is um, a very different culture and yeah. there's reasons deep-seated reasons why they are like that exactly yeah so and to be fair poverty makes people very desperate so i i, I can oh, yeah. sort of sort of understand it Kinda right get it. Yeah. yeah um but i think the question that you asked alec is is is, is really sort of very interesting because it's something that no one wants to hear nowadays um I had people this, like beautiful lies yeah i i i recently had this and it really, pisses me off <laughs> really crazy discussion with a um how did this start again Th- i think this started uh, when we were i'm not going to name the setting because this person might know in case they're listening to this podcast who they are but mm-hmm. um in any case the discussion was centered around uh men who earn a lot of money right and this young woman uh, eventually said like oh well to be honest it would be nice to be married to one of these people and to which i answered like well yeah well could you live up to the responsibilities of being married to a man like this and she said what 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 responsibilities and i'm like let me get this straight if you're ma- if, if you're regardless if you of if you're with a man or a woman or, or whatever right if they're amongst the top one percent earners in the country they you're replaceable instantly right no one wants to hear mm-hmm. this but it's kind of true so if you're not giving them exactly what it is that they want what they have no incentive to stay with you there's a hundred other people in the line right so it, it comes back to this point that i made like i think it's so important nowadays just to, to speak about expectations on both sides and then to also try to at least live up to them i'm not saying that there's it's ever going to be perfect because it's not going to work right no, no one's ever going to be a hundred percent on point with with your mm-hmm. expectations but for me at least if i were to see that my girlfriend is trying to live up to my uh, expectations then that's fine right i'm okay with that yeah that's pr- pretty sound sound logic so with everything that's like going on in terms of like um gender roles in that sense like how do you guys feel about you know um the concept or the reality i guess of house husbands because it's very because it's very decisive (laughs) i mean i mean just being a house anything imagine just being able to stay at home like and take yeah because i mean great i yeah (laughs) because i i want to do my thing i want to 
earn my own money but I was talking with a mate a while back mm-hmm. and we, this discussion just came up and we both kind of just agreed like yeah we do like you know doing our jobs we do like creating we do like doing what we are doing at the moment but being a house husband could be the shit <laughs> I, I say I say to my boyfriend all the time that I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be a housewife it's not true but imagine just I know there are a lot of responsibilities that come with it like making the house nice and pretty and taking yeah. care of the kids but then it's also not a job that I don't have to go to every day yeah you're off and, the grid you know, exactly like <laughs> You choose your working hours. Exactly, exactly that. But, you know. She comes home. Here, queen. Here's dinner. Here's dinner, queen. Yeah. No, it would be be great in an ideal world, you know, if we won the lottery, obviously. But you Mm -hmm. need to be making money. I need to make money. I need to provide for my family. So, unfortunately, it can't happen. I'll be honest. That that would not be a life for me. Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've always said, like, look, like I'm not going to make any secrets about it. I, I, I hold certain traditional values in very high esteem because I think mm-hmm. that um, <laughs> we've made so much progress as humanity in the past 200 years. And these are structures that have existed within that time and even long before that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm a big fan of this, of the quote, you know, don't fix it if it's, if it's not broken. Yeah. Um, that being said, like, like I'm not trying to be a bigot or anything, right? But like, I, I understand that you have to go along with the times, but there are certain fundamental structures that I believe are important to uphold. That's just my opinion. That's fair. Every, let, everyone's entitled to their own opinions. Um, like, I'm not saying I don't agree with that opinion. I, yeah. I think, you know, a man should do whatever he feels like he should. And if he feels like it's, you know, following the traditional route, that's fair. You know, everyone should be able to live their own lives as you know as they want to no one should dictate yeah. you know what they do if, if liberals keep saying oh man should be a house husband like I, you shouldn't dictate what people do let them figure yeah. it out on themselves you know so i would I also be that. i would also be the absolute last person to for example force my girlfriend or my then future wife to be a housewife if we have kids i would never do that i would say it's absolutely right. your choice if you your choose choice. to do it right exactly but um, it's just finding that balance, yeah. like anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's only one thing I would enforce, and that's that, that's that in the first two years or maybe even three years of the child's life, that we are that the child isn't given to a nanny because those are important years where some certain emotional bonds are formed that you cannot make up for. So. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at from a psychology perspective, you're right. You know. Yeah. A child needs to bond with their parent in yeah. the first few years of their life it's just fundamental that, yeah. that helps them with their emotional development um obviously it's hard in a world where you know you have to work to provide you have obviously to yeah yeah have money and that concept that. is basically not uh it doesn't agree with this idea that both parents should have a clear-cut career path obviously yeah. one parent is going to have to stay home for for the a majority of those two or three years right yeah but um that's just something that I believe is, is important. And so for me, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's the way it's going to be. Otherwise it's not going to fucking work. Right. So, that's um, fair. yeah, that's, that's definitely fair. Um, I, I do from a psychology perspective, agree with that, like hundred percent. It's just, yeah, it's just hard to follow. Isn't yeah. it? Like obviously with the pandemic, it would Even, have been great yeah. to be fair to have kids because you're at home every yeah. single day. Like my brother had a baby in the pandemic and oh, you know, they're with that, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, with their 
um, child 24 yeah. seven. Um, and she's growing up so well, like mm. proper emotional attachments. And it's great to see. Um, so I think, you know, people having kids in the pandemic actually is pretty cool pretty good for them pretty True. good for the kids i actually never saw it from, from that perspective but that's another thing that the pandemic actually has a good side too <laughs> hey, i'm surrounded by babies right now like last year in november good friends of mine gave birth and then oh. literally a couple of weeks ago another good friends of mine gave birth and then Damn. actually today and other people i know announced that they're pregnant and i'm like the fuck's oh. going on <laughs> <laughs> so many people have gotten pregnant over the pandemic so many people fair. i know last kids <laughs> i have a lot of respect for uh new parents because i don't know how to fucking talk to babies dude i don't <laughs> know how you do it <laughs> yeah you're not well you 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 have to right they have to learn how to speak but like i don't know how to properly talk to a baby <laughs> Cause I can't just be me. Right. Cause it's going to end up becoming a degenerate. So like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I love talking to babies. They're so cute. Cause they just don't understand a word you're saying. And they're yeah. just there like, Oh, yeah. I'm just like, that like, is yeah. so cute. <laughs> like I don't want kids of my own, but I could talk to a baby. I may, I could yeah. talk to a doorknob if it meant entertaining. I'm good with kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a I, skill. I want kids. It's just the, problem is i'm piss poor with them so i i don't know if it's really smart. <laughs> probably when it's your own kid though it, it's different that is you true. have that like that's my kid you that know is true. it's yeah, not like, like if it's another person's kid you're a bit like oh i don't really don't don't come near me with that yeah but, like, <laughs> like the two people i mentioned well two uh, couples that i mentioned before who recently had their kids i've known them before they were pregnant mm-hmm. and when i found out on both occasions that they were <laughs> expecting, I was like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> oh, the kids they fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, speaking with them and seeing them after the fact, it does change you, because yeah. no longer did I feel like, "Oh, this kid's fucked," but more of just like, "This kid's gonna be okay." Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it will be different if you do have a kid of your own, Lewis. Yeah, to be fair. Definitely. Whenever I think about it, I'm always like, dude, my grandpa had his first child. My German uh, grandfather had his first child when he was 20 years old. That guy probably didn't fucking know anything. So like, and he somehow mm-hmm. made it also. So like. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's just that realization of like, oh, fuck, I'm responsible for a new yeah. life. That's yeah, I think thing. that that would fuck me so hard because, like, right now, to be honest, like, if I spend all my money on a car that doesn't run, who gives a fuck, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, like that's my problem. <laughs> but if I do that, if I have a kid, it's like uh, it's not just me who goes hungry yeah. this month, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh god, yeah, you're like responsible for another human being, and part of me is so scared of that that fact, like. You're bringing in another human being into the world. It's it's, yep. it's not just you anymore. It's not just you and your husband or boyfriend. It, it's you know, like a little thing. Yeah. You have to make sure not to hit mm. it in its head. Make sure to feed it. And you make sure it's turn its happy. head when it's a newborn because like, like the oh. head is very soft. And I'm like, oh my. I know, and they're like, don't so let soft your baby soft. sleep in your bed if you're sleeping in it because you probably fucking kill it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <So> many... <Ooh. laughs> 
yeah so many things to think about and that you can see how people change when they become parents not for the worse but you you know you know for the better yeah yeah they become like really mature but they do become a a completely different person because their whole life is now that kid there's a certain aura that changes around Mm -hmm. them yeah oh yeah completely yeah it's like, oh, this guy's no longer the person that did this at the bar. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I think this is a good place to end it. Uh, Luis, yep. thank you very much for coming onto the podcast and actually being our first guest. Um, I think this actually was really insightful for anyone who's probably listening. It was fun. Thanks for having me on. But, uh, I'll come if you'll have me again one day. Yeah, sure, sure you will. Yeah. Uh, I'll be more than happy to. It's been it's been nice just talking about, you know, what I feel. Even I know you guys aren't therapists, but it's just nice. Yeah. <laughs> like right. cathartic well, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye everybody.